Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. It's another episode of The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture and video cast where we talk to your favorite actors, musicians, comedians, and more from your favorite television shows, movies, Broadway, music, whatever it is, pop culture, you will find us there. And today we have a very special guest. I had heard a couple interviews that Roman had done and I reached out to him and I was like, I would love to have you on the show because as you know, we talk a lot of pop culture, a lot of movies, a lot of television, but if it wasn't for what he does, composing, writing music, all of these things, a lot of these shows would probably be, um, they would be good, but they wouldn't be as interesting if there wasn't something without music. And chances are we have interviewed people who he has worked with and other things, television, commercials. Roman has done a lot. Roman, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Brett. Appreciate it. Yes, and it is Roman Molino done, so I want to make sure we get the full name <laughs> out there before we get carried away. Thank you. But yes, of course. Uh, that's your moniker. We need people need to know who we're listening to. So I was going through IMDB and 90% of the time this is pretty accurate, but you have been a composer and a musician for a very long time. So it's safe to say you've had your hands on a lot of projects that people have probably seen, or maybe they haven't. But I think one of the mysteries here that we're going to uncover is like what your job is because we have the television part, the movie part, we have the actors, we have all of that. But a big part of storytelling is the music that kind of helps move things along, whether it's a show that you watch Dexter new blood or succession, whatever the case might be, there's music that drives it and sets the mood uh, for what we're about to see and what we will continue to see as the project moves along. It's a pretty safe uh, explanation, I would say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, our job is to, uh, help the filmmaker. If it's, uh, the director in the case of a feature film, uh, or if it's the showrunner or producer in the case of a television show, um, we're there to carry out their, um, you know, their musical uh, desires, if you will. You know, it's not, I'm not just writing the music that I want to or the music that I think would help tell the story. It's actually the music that the director or the producer, uh, whoever is in charge of the creative, would like me to uh, compose in order to tell the story in the way that they see fit. Um, so it's, it's kind of like being an actor, you know, you impart as much of yourself as you can into your performance. But at the end of the day, you're part of this larger collaborative machine that's telling a story. Let's break that down a little bit. So clearly there's a project that's being made. We've got all of these pieces that are happening, but your part in the process, which is, I feel just as important as everything else and it's again helps tell the story 
And it's typically, whether it's a showrunner, as you said, or a director or whoever is kind of spearheading the project, how does that process work specifically? Because obviously music, again, is important in these storytelling opportunities. How do you know, how do you jump into the process? Like, at what point do you get involved? Is the music decided first and then the show? Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? (laughs) I guess is the question. Well, I guess that's one of the parts that makes this job really fun. Uh, You know, and to differentiate it from what I was saying about an actor is that I could come in at any point in the project, depending on what kind of project it is. Um, And so I'll give a few different examples instead of just talking figuratively. Um, On the last feature film that I just did, um, I was given the movie in its complete form. They had... Yeah, they had edited it. They actually had done what is called temp music. Um, They temped it. uh, And that means that they put a temporary uh, score in there. They found pieces of music that they liked that helped the scenes, um, things that were helping the edit move along. Um, And sometimes they wanted me to do something very similar. Sometimes they said, no, don't worry about that. That was just there to edit to. Um, and so that's a very common scenario is that you come in at the very end and you're the la- one of the last things. And, and the reason for that is because I have to record music to go to it. And if the picture isn't there yet, um, it's very hard for me to necessarily do something custom to picture because the picture is not set. But there's other instances in like in the case of a television show, for example, I just did a, a children's uh, series. It's still going uh, called kid corresponded. It's a YouTube original and that's totally different. I wrote a collection of music based on uh, the needs of the show. They had these like reoccurring segments that happened in the show. And they said, Hey, give us you know five different ideas for this segment, and then they were like, "We like that one. Can you change it this way?" And then I never scored to picture for that. I just created music that was very custom to the aesthetic of the show and how they knew they were going to utilize it. Um, but then on this next film that I'm doing, I'm working from the script, uh, and I no, nothing's been done yet in production. It's all in pre-production, and I'm reading the script and I'm I'm working closely with the director to say, "Hey." it would be really cool if we explored this type of tonality for the lead character. It'd be really cool if we explored this for any time there's themes of love or the, and and so forth. Uh, So I could really come in at any point in the project, um, but pragmatically it's more of just, uh, you know, at what stage am I taking direction from from the director? Uh, and sometimes it's the entire process. You know, like if I get brought on at a script stage, I might be writing to some camera tests, uh, which I did. I've done that the last film I did on HBO Max. Same thing. They sent me the script. I started ideas and then they did camera tests and I scored to that. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's going to work with the way we're shooting and uh, the chemistry on screen. So we developed that. Um, and then once that was finished uh, being edited, then I, I treated it like I would a score where they bring me on at the end where you have these crazy deadlines. You're the last person in the end of the process. And uh, in many ways, there's a lot of pressure on you to perform because They've spent millions of dollars making this thing and they've, <laughs> yes. and it just comes down to you to make sure you meet your timeline. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the process uh, across, you know, a, a varied, um, you know, slate of projects. Yeah. I find that all just very fascinating, like the process from beginning to end, because 
and kid correspondent I'm familiar with, my son watches that show obsessively. So I find it interesting that they would say, okay, we want you to just, you know, put together a set of music because then they can pick and choose when they want to use it. That to me kind of makes sense. But when you're working on a major motion picture and whether you're coming in at the beginning, the middle or, or the end, depended on the situation, I can imagine the pressure is insurmountable in some ways because a lot is riding on you to get this done so they can continue on and, and get this movie uh, <laughs> in the hands of viewers, so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, the hardest part about actually the managing of that is that you have to assume for the most part um, that you'll always be performing revisions so these things have to be done with enough leeway, uh, time timeline wise, that um, you also can revise it for them as once they hear what you've done and how it's working with the cut. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot of pressure on a feature film. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's probably across all departments though. So it's it's not just you know with what I'm doing. I just happen to be very close to the end of the process when the tensions are mounting. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's get going here. You know what I'm saying? So this is all done, you know, whether you're on, on a film set or probably just done virtually this way, I'm assuming, right. Where it's like you're meeting with people, however, zoom and Skype, and you're kind of working through things. At what point do you just have collaborative freedom to just do things or is, is the director and, and everybody showrunner, whatever the case might be, they're all, I'm assuming, probably involved through the entire process, right? Like with this idea that you said, constantly writing revisions, so to speak. Yeah, I'd say um, depending on it, it, it depends on the director or showrunner. Okay. I mean, some, sometimes they're very much into um, seeing what another creative professional can do for their film without getting involved in it and then only coming in and saying that works, that doesn't work, and they give you the freedom to do that. Those are um, some of the, my favorite films to work on, obviously, because it's more of this trusting relationship. And they, I, I tend to find myself in those situations when somebody really likes something I've done in the past and they say, do something similar to that. And then in that sense, they're saying, get into that headspace. And once you're in that headspace, I really trust what you're going to do anyway, because it's your natural inclination. Um, but there's other scenarios where uh, it really is somewhere in between. And I've given this analogy before. And, and um, so I tend to repeat myself on it because I think it, it does paint it well, which is the actor analogy like I was giving before, which is that they will give me those notes that are emotional. So they say, I want sadness here, but they won't say play a G minor chord, right? They, they're telling you the emotion to evoke, and then you have to rely on your experience in order to find that. Um, and then only one, <laughs> when you're really not getting it, uh, or they're not, <laughs> okay. they're, they're not communicate. They realize maybe they're not communicating it in the way that they think they are, or you're not, uh, receiving it in the way they meant it. Then that's the time when it's, you start to pick it apart. But, uh, at the level of the directors, I've been the level of directors I've been working with, they are very well versed in directing in, uh, you know, sharing their creative vision with people sure. who speak different languages. Um, 
So yeah, they, I haven't had a whole lot of micromanagement in uh, my work in film and television, and I'm very grateful for that because I know that's not always the case. Right. Well, and again, like you said, you're at a different level than, you know, you did the YouTube thing, which is cool, but then you're at a level where you're directing with big directors and showrunners. I mean, if you're doing music for an HBO Max film, I'm pretty certain uh, the trust level is there, right? And they're just allowing your collaborative experience in your years and years of doing this to sort of carry out the vision that they want you to carry out, which is great. It has to be uh, because when you do this type of work for a living, it just has to be a lot of fun uh, because your job, like most in this industry, is not what people are used to. So clearly music has been a part of your life for a very long time. But what was the interest in doing films and television? What was sort of the catalyst to get you there? Uh, that's a great question. So, um, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a composer. Um, but the um, the vision of what that was when I was a child was more akin to, you know, uh, being a concert hall composer. Uh, okay. You know, like the great Western titans, if you will, Beethoven, Mozart, that kind of uh, I'm writing for the orchestra. Um, and so that's what I studied in school and everything. And then when I uh, left uh, university, I opened a recording studio. Um, and that, that came about because I was working in sheet music and classical music. And it just made sense because a lot of the clients I was taking to recording studios for, uh, I'm kind of giving a, a, a an abbreviated version here, but I was what you called a music transcriber. So I would write sure. music down by ear um, and that turned into arranging and then arranging turned into producing and eventually I opened this recording studio. And what happened was at a recording studio, you get everything. You get podcasts back in the day before Zoom. Uh, you get, um, you know, advertising agencies doing voiceovers. And eventually those advertising agencies also needed music for their commercials. And then the directors from those commercials would, uh, you know, go on to do their own films. And I started getting some of the calls. So essentially what happened was, even though I loved film music, I didn't um, know I could do it until people started asking me to do it. Um, and it was great because I found my way back to writing uh music you know i got sidetracked a little bit doing uh, sheet music and arranging for other people and running a recording studio but those experiences helped me find uh, my original passion again by way of uh work having the work contacts from that that job yeah i i don't know i just again i find this all so very intriguing and fascinating just all of it because like i think as a consumer of content oftentimes we take for granted the hard work that goes into doing what you do. You know, we see what's on television, like the Oscars and film score, this and that, but I don't think we really understand what it takes to kind of get there, if that makes any sense, because it's a long process from beginning to end. I mean, I watch shows all the time and I find myself being evoked emotionally just a lot of times by the music that's playing when there's like a scene coming up that's hardcore, you know, or there's an argument or whatever, and the music starts to creep in, you know, it's kind of like a Broadway play. You know, you get the whole score at the beginning of the musical. So you know, hey, these are the songs I'm going to recognize. And uh, I'm assuming that's intentional, but, and then you recognize things coming along. 
what is like in, in your career that you've had and in, in working with so many people, what is some best advice that you have been given to sort of help sustain you and make you a better composer, a better uh, writer and all of those types of things, Roman? That's a good one. You know, the, the question I often get asked is what advice do you have for other people? And yeah, I sure. And what you're asking now is a much better question uh, because um, hopefully instead of, you know, giving my experience, I can uh, pass on experience that was given to me. Um, and there was two parts to it. Um, one part was to realize that, um, it's not your music. Uh, and I, and I've heard that time and time again from teachers, uh, you know, you're not writing music for yourself. You're writing it for other people. Um, and once I really internalized that, I think I saw a very big change in my career. Um, because like I said, I used to run a recording studio. I, I still own the studio, but I used to spend more time working at the recording studio. And, you know, you'd write songs for artists, right? And they would tell you, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And when I was younger, I used to take it very uh, personally as if, you know, well, I have degrees in music. What do you have? Why are you telling me how to do it? And that was a very immature and personal way to look at creating art. Um, because a lot of artists, and I thought this too, think that you're creating art for yourself. And in reality, if you're doing that, it's going to be very hard to make a living at it. And it's going to be very hard to be part of something as collaborative as film. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was the sure. big one. Um, you know, just remember that it's not your music. Um, and that's led me only to uh, have better and better working relationships. Um, and then I think the other one was kind of uh, anti antithesis of advice. It was, uh, I remember a, a college counselor in high school told me, you can't make a living in music. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, it really lit a fire. Right. I mean, I it's all I ever <laughs> wanted to do. Um, and having somebody in a position who was supposed to help you, they, and there was no mean spirit there. They were literally trying to help me from their experience. That, And they're probably right that it is very hard to make a living in music, but they had that misunderstanding that I would be making music for myself and not for others. Um, and so that advice got me going as uh, I disobeyed that advice. <laughs> It's funny that you say that. It reminds me of a story uh, in high school in the 90s. I was in music choir and things, and we had a former student come one day from L.A. Uh, this is in the 90s, and they were a very famous person. We had no idea who they were, but they were one of his former students, and he was making a successful career in music, and... I remember people saying, well, we've never heard of him before. This is weird kind of music. And he's like, well, music on the West Coast in L.A. is way more advanced than here in the Midwest uh, in Wichita, Kansas. So um, the truth is that, yeah, they were probably trying to help you uh, with brutal honesty, but clearly it has worked out well for you. And uh, again, just the body of work is amazing. Uh, Roman, thanks for hanging yeah, out with us so today much for having on the me. show. Uh, I appreciate it. Great questions, and it was really my pleasure. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. 
Go home.